Hi, welcome to Season 2 of the Silverline Podcast, an audio version of our video streams that we hold weekly. They're edited a little bit to make them a little more concise. My name is Roland Mann. I'm the head honcho at Silverline, and we have a great time making fun comics that we think that you'll enjoy. So thank you for listening, and maybe go check out some of our comics if you haven't already. This episode is titled, You Won't Believe What Happens Next, Clickbait and the Cliffhanger. It originally aired February 15th, 2022. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a Silverline show on Tuesday. I'm your host, Tim TK, joined as always by Mr. Quentin Bedwell. Howdy, everybody. Welcome to this wonderful, (laughs) wonderful uh, time that we have together. We're so glad you could make it. (laughs) And uh, Jose Fuentes. I can't even say something as, as great as that. Well done, Quentin. (laughs) <laughs> and you're Hi, everybody gonna, and you're not going to believe what happens next and that's exactly what we're talking about right. uh, we're going to be talking about cliffhangers uh how they get written into comics uh how they're used in marketing and you, you probably you've run into several throughout your day and i haven't realized it we do have a silverline discord and on occasion we do post stuff in there that uh does not normally make it outside of our circles okay so we'll get into tonight's subject the art of the cliffhanger so everyone is probably at some point uh, come across clickbait, which is yes, uh, yes, which is very much titled as as in the fashion that we are here uses the same type of thumbnail, shocked face, or the uh, you know, yeah, uh, or the big, little arrow with the circle, yeah, the the big eye grabbing pictures, yeah, 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 and while while it is you know looked down upon by some, it's called clickbait for a reason. It generates clicks. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah, so this is probably one of the easiest for well, easiest, but it's most well easily to easiest to describe, but most apparent forms of a cliffhanger marketing. Just a question, or a outrageous statement, or a appeal to interest in the title. You're hitting one of those th- three big psychological factors. People being also using marketing terminology. I'm going to use a lot of broad sweeping statements, and the only sweeping statement you should use is "don't make sweeping statements." Uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, so I was going to be talking about like neurologically normative behaviors. So there are some people that these neurological triggers do not affect, and they don't work with, and that's fine. You're a perfectly functional person. This is just statistically what 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 the broadest amount of marketing research has indicated. That appealing to someone's curiosity, someone's disbelief, uh, because yeah, you know humans have been explorers for a very long time, always trying to figure out what's over the horizon, trying to learn like the meaning of stuff. That's the reason why you know uh, we spend so much money trying to get to the bottom of the ocean or trying to go out to space. So appealing to something that people may not believe or may not be able to uh, you know have perceived before is immediately going to trigger that response. Hitting a question on there or a call to action, people want to be doing stuff. They want to be engaged and feel like what they're interacting with is interacting with back with them almost. So that's where a lot of questions come in, which also led to another recent psychological uh, absurdism in, in parasocial relationships. Uh, people thinking they have relationships with people on the computer. But uh, essentially appealing to these broader senses of things, you're going to get people feeling like they're engaged with the media from the onset rather than having to have them go through and, and, and wait to click on it and get to the next 
bit of it before they feel like they're engaged. Uh, so if I ever get too deep in the woods and you need me to feel back, I, I minored in marketing. So <laughs> you've already had uh, MFA brain, Tim. So if we get too deep into uh, MBA brain, Tim, that's... <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll make sure to let you know. <laughs> I was like, um, I, I don't understand what you just spoke. Perfect. So in essence, in, 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 in uh, breaking it down... If you get people to feel like they're going to be exploring something, seeing something that they haven't seen before within the first, you know, five, six words of whatever you're doing, the title card, that's already step towards the conversion to making them click on it. Speaking of uh, clickbait, some YouTube stuff, some popular YouTube antics. Yes. Such and such, or this just changed everything. Oh, yeah. I keep seeing that. One. I keep seeing that one mm-hmm. for yep. a clickbait. Here's another one, and you won't believe what happened next. Yep. There, and Facebook's getting really bad about this. Oh, I yeah. mean, you can't even go into the videos anymore without, mm-hmm. you know, seeing this stuff. I mean, there's yeah. people who just string people along for two hours. Mm-hmm. doing nothing like almost doing something and then they stop and explain over and over just to try to get more people yes. in it, that's not what we're doing right now yeah yeah it's <laughs> yeah we keep all yeah or are we yeah. but uh yeah and see i feel when i see these i i they get me every now and then mm-hmm. but once i once i see one and i see where this is going then yeah. i like then I, I don't click on it because you know it's uh, you know I feel like I'm being had you know that's and that's the thing is I in order to back up the clickbait there needs to be good content or support like yep. a thick content behind it because I feel like a lot of people on the internet now are good marketers but not good content producers exactly but yeah. if the clickbait's there and gets you engaged and then the content is substantive. Uh, you know, that I'm, I'm going to sit there for like two hours and watch whatever you know this podcast yeah. is on. Yeah, if it's something related to what I'm interested in, like if it's something talking about you know Destiny or or whatever, or you know uh, the X Men or whatever, it says you know this new exotic just changed the game, and then yes, you know, the actual yeah, video breaks it. down into like what the actual ramifications are. I'm like, oh, this is actually you know this is good content. I enjoy this. But yeah, if it's so just first, they've got to tell you. <laughs> How it was so amazing that yeah. it changed the game, and this person over here, we're going to interview them and talk to them about how it changed their game. Mm-hmm. Like thirteen hours of straight that for about three minutes of this is what you do. Yes, yeah. <laughs> if if you even get that, but I wanted to say that I didn't know what clickbait was oh. um, until very recently. I just I didn't even know what it. I've seen it. I heard it. Like I heard people talk about. It, I had no clue what it was. But I asked my kids. They know what clickbait is because evidently kids are are in the know and I'm not. But it seems to me that that's not a new concept just because it's over the internet, mm-hmm. just because it's something, you know, they call it clickbait, you know what I mean, because it's on the internet. So you're like, oh, I want to check that out. Click, 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 right? But, I mean, when I was younger, I used to, we used to have to go to my aunt's house to, to play because my mom would play cards and my stepdad yeah. would play cards and stuff like that. They would share the family. And my aunt did not have boy-appropriate toys. It just – there was nothing there for me. But she had a whole heap of Reader's Digest. I did a lot of reading. Yep. 
And it seems to me like the covers and like the intros to Mm -hmm. those stories, you know, on the cover of the first, you know, the the few cover pages before starts the stories were the exact same thing. The only difference is like it's it's over the interweb. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, Clickbait is just the newest form of. Yeah, an age old tradition of what is uh, referred to as cliffhanger marketing, uh, which has been around since uh, snake oil and golden rings. Um, wow. <laughs> but it, it, it's literally just you're just trying to peak interest without getting too deep into something at the onset because, uh, <laughs> I mean, the law of averages, right? Uh, for right. every 10 people looking at you, Seven are going to ask a question. For every seven people that do that, three are going to actually handle your product. For every three that do that, one person is going to buy it. So the idea of clickbait marketing is just front-loading more people into that first category to try and whittle it down more efficiently. So you know, if, if I know that by screaming out, this will change your life, uh, I can turn that initial 10 people into maybe like 50 people or 100 people and then whittle it down from there and, and get a higher average in the end. And, you know, to some extent, if you do, if you do have substantive content, it, it's a, a good tool to use uh, with, but it can be abused and just lead to three hours of absolute yep. trouble. Right. But if you throw that... Or with, even 15 minutes. I watch yeah. this guy every now and then, just when I'm curious what's going on uh, with Disney and Star mm-hmm. Wars. Uh, yeah. uh, there's a few guys that I watch, but this one... Uh, and I don't mean to dump on any YouTubers or anything, but his name is Mike Zero. I don't know if y'all have ever watched him, but he he always has like behind the scenes news. And sometimes, you know, Gina Carano just changed everything. And then, you know, the next video, Dave Filoni just did this, you know, and it's like the and and you watch it and there's nothing He's not telling you anything, <laughs> no. you know, a- at all, except for uh, stuff that he doesn't know, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know what I'm saying? It's all speculation. Yeah. So yeah. it's not really, you know, yeah. life changing. In other words, it's not substantial. Yeah. So he, I've, you know, I was, was looking in on him every now and then, but now I've just kind of stopped because... Mm. His his taglines have been very interesting, but then I watch it and it's like, well, that's the same thing I just saw last time, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, so it's kind of getting samey. And uh, that's yeah. I, I, other than that, well, person in the same space that, does, that I like that does something like that is new rock stars. Will they do something like the new Doctor Strange trailer just cut deep, and then you know they do <laughs> yeah they, they, they do their mandatory ad read at the front, but then he immediately goes into. And five, and 15, it's like in 15 seconds in, we get a reference here on this page. It references this thing here. And immediately starts citing sources and going into like what exactly each pa- like frame breaks down into. And uh, I feel if you're looking at like the two like two spectrums of that, it's do you immediately jump into thick content and citing sources and like this is the content, or do you just ramble on about speculation? It, it's a hard choice because yeah. you know there's the thing of the long intro. Yeah, you know uh, sometimes. Yeah. They have these lines, and it seems like intros are getting longer, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, 
but you you get through the intro and then after you make it through the intro then you've got to go through the youtubers information you know like yeah. and subscribe and you can find me here and here and here and here and here and here you know and it's like uh i'm sorry i haven't been making as many videos lately i've been busy i hear that all the time oh, yeah. you know and it's like come on <laughs> get to it you know i mean come on anyway yeah. it's uh and then it's like three minutes of something that's just not even, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. not nearly as life changing as, you know, what it proposes uh, when you first click on it. But anyway, exactly. I kind of went to the restroom while I was waiting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But now that we have spent 30 minutes on our lawn intro, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, no, uh, that's the word relevant. Yeah, exactly. Well, if you. Yeah, and also there's differences when you're when thinking about this. Where like for us doing a two-hour podcast, we need to fill time. <laughs> yep. But also, uh, uh, when you're talking about subjects like this, where you know, uh, it, we we could go into like the origins of cliffhanger marketing, and I could talk about you know uh, the traveling salesman and the Roma culture that arose in Austria and Germany that traveled to England. And, you know, it, it's establishing context for the conversation. Or we could just say, like, this is a thing that's been happening for a while. Here are some references that you might see today. Context. Um, yep. Yeah. So uh, just fun things to think about in marketing, which, uh, dear uh, viewer, if you ever just, like, are, I mean, I feel like it's really important when you're also, like, re- watching the news. But when you're just when you're ingesting stuff, think about, the, like, the marketing implications of whatever you're doing. We live in a society about sales. Everything is marketing. It's just... It's always fun to think about, like, oh, what everything is about getting what you have, what your hard, <laughs> your hard, your hard work uh, produces money, and people, you know, uh, we all have to eat, and we all have to gain money mm-hmm. and monetary, you know, uh, and so everything is about a sale. Yep. Even that word sale is like a, you know, hey, you got to come mm-hmm. look at this, you know. Yep. It's all about taking what you got. That's that's the bad that's the bad way of looking at it. But <laughs> yeah. everybody's got something for sale because we're mm-hmm. all trying to work and live and yes. and do. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, everybody. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Then some of us, uh, you know, want yep. to uh, you know uh, usher out our art into the world, but we some need of to us buy- want to be heard. We want to be seen. You know, I'd like to share my work with people. So that's where it comes from. You know, I think this is cool. I think you'd think this is cool. Hey, you know, but you can't really say that every time, you know, Mm -hmm. so... Yeah, you you need to come up with a a a, phrase or something to grab people's attention. Gotta have an angle, see? Yeah, Yeah. because if you just say, hey, this is cool, people are like, well, I I think my thing is cool. And I'm like, well, cool. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of cool stuff. There's a lot of cool What's stuff. cooler about yours? What sets yours aside from everybody else's? Which brings us to the form of cliffhanger marketing, which all of us see every Wednesday in the shops. The cover. Yep. And the title card. It's cool uh, indeed. Yeah. So uh, if you can get away, that doesn't have glare on here. It's still wrapped. <laughs> um, but Who's that? This is Guardians, uh, Guardians number 22 featuring Agent Venom. Uh, Agent Venom. You know, I was just at a comic book store the other day, and they were talking about them bringing him back. I'd be down. Uh, it's uh, on... Bringing back the Flash. Oh, Agent Venom. Was it Flash Thompson. Yeah, yeah, yeah Flash, Flash Thompson. Thompson. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
I rather liked him. I thought like yeah. the idea. A that lot of Flash, people I mean, really liked him, and a lot of Andy people Brock were upset they got rid of him. Yeah, yeah. I, I I like I, I definitely like where Eddie Brock's venom is now, and I think the uh, Keenan Black arc was Chef's kiss, uh, just so good. But uh, Eddie Brock's Agent Venom was it was just cool, man. <laughs> Flash Thompson's uh, Agent Venom was just so, so cool. Yeah. Um, but the the comic cover in itself, it, you're trying to establish that cliffhanger. Uh, same with you know, and your title card and your issue title are trying to create that like six word whatever buy in like the, yeah. and we'll get into what's inside you know the interiors and the fact that you know something you may not think about but every just about every page is written to a cliffhanger inside of a comic book but uh, uh something that you know artists work a lot uh, really hard on and. Uh, marketers just claw their eyes out over is getting the cover just right, getting the right series title, the right issue title. Is the title card centered right? Do we need to adjust the lettering? Uh, <laughs> can we, if we make this one font, will this uh, make it look any cooler? Um, and so you end up getting titles like, yeah, you definitely want to yeah. throw your be- you put your best foot forward mm-hmm. with that cover, and it's so funny right. that we're even talking about this tonight because. I haven't uh, received everything yet to start on the first page of this. So I decided what I was going to do is get the book logo for the cover ready. And I did that. So now I'm moving into, well, why don't I go ahead and do some like mock-up covers, you know, and I'm just having this huge, you know, like, brain freeze because I'm really split. It's, it's such a big conundrum. Like I I want to put all this cool stuff on the cover that's mm-hmm. going to make it sell or I, what I would think would make it sell because people yep. would look at it and they would see, wow, these things look really cool. But at the same time, I don't want to give too much away before mm-hmm. they see right you know, stuff. So I, you know, some of the best things you can do sometimes is not show things, but at the same time you have to make a, you know, if it's a movie, you have to have a trailer, Yeah. you know, uh, but you don't want to reveal, you don't want to over reveal Mm -hmm. stuff. And I'm afraid, and that's what I'm trying to decide on this cover right now is the mock-ups that I'm going to do. I'm trying to decide how much do I want to show versus how much coolness, cool factor do I want to put into it? So yeah. I'm really at an impasse right now, and we're talking about this. It's really yeah, funny. Absolutely. Yeah, and there's lots of different ways you can go about uh, approaching the cover design itself. Um, that I had mentioned earlier is uh, a lot of cliffhanger marketing uh, relies on appeals to certain psychological triggers, much the same way that horror does, uh, where you know horror is always about finding ways to, you know, invade on what that psychological trigger is whereas if you want to make it uh and, and for you know a certain type of audience that is how you get the conversion that is like i'm going to break your sense of privacy like perfect i'm in uh but right. uh if you're doing a cover or something you're, you try to almost protect or build around that some senses so uh by throwing uh agent venom on their uh, flash thompson you get appeal to the sense of familiarity He's firing a gun, and there's a big fight going on. You're appealing to a sense of spectacle. I'm talking into the comic. Um, and 
you end up getting these weird monsters that you can't make out all the details of. And, you know, that's a classic horror trope is don't show the whole monster. So you're appealing yeah, to, exactly. Yeah. You're appealing to the sense of wonder and maybe to the sense of horror. Like what are these, what are these things that they're, they're fighting against? What is this <laughs> conflict we're going to witness? Um, and you can, you can appeal to a lot of different things and build on these senses. Um, and, and by just pounding those uh, psychological triggers into the ground, uh, when someone, when someone sees that, hopefully their brain takes over and says, any one of these questions are uh mm-hmm. I, my license familiarity speaking because i really like ancient venom so i'm going to pick even though i don't read guardians i'm going to pick that one up or but what do you do when you're on issue number one mm-hmm. they haven't seen anything exactly. yet uh, but they they when they open it up and they get about you know such and such a ways through the book they'll they'll actually see the critters or critter uh, what do you do about you know? How much do you reveal on the on the on the front cover? That's uh, that's, that's what I'm having a problem with. Well, uh, an, an old Marvel technique was always like I mean, for so many covers, like in what uh, the 90s and 80s, they did a whole probably not in the 90s as much as the 80s, but they did a whole lot of like silhouetted enemies. You know what I mean? You saw. When they went through yeah. the whole, uh, what was it the whole uh, secret wars and talking about the beholder? You know what I mean? It was yep. he was almost all the way up until they fully revealed that particular character. It was always a silhouetted, like design, a silhouetted uh, image on the cover, and all the heroes like, oh my gosh, they're all shocked about what was going on, about what he was doing, even though he was just standing there. You know what I mean? And there were so many covers out um, for secret wars that did that. You know what I mean? Yep. Where it was just just a silhouetted figure for like so long. I think mm-hmm. I, I don't even remember how long Secret Wars lasted. It was, to me, it lasted forever. Yeah, it was a while. And like, that was one of the yeah, that was one of the the big like um, techniques they used. And then I think once you got into like the two thousands, they started doing the same thing with Spider Man. When once they started having uh, uh, John Ramona Jr. come back to you know, I think someone doing the the Spider Man yeah. stuff, they started doing more of the old style uh, covers for that as well, which personally I thought were pretty cool. But I think that style of suspense is lost on people nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like like more newer comic readers, they yeah. want they want the big pizzazz and the big flash. And um, I mean, I'm I'm guilty of this as well. But I personally like um, like sometimes I like some of the gimmick covers. You know, some of yeah. those that have the holographic mm-hmm. stuff on it. I am a huge fan. If there's a, if there's a, a variant blank cover, oh, I will buy it. I'm like yeah. it's mine. <laughs> Yeah, I like pencil covers. I, I like the ones where they just have the inks or they just have the pencils. Mm-hmm. Love those. Yeah, man. yeah. It, I like it, the ones with just the pencils as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a fan of whenever they do something that's stained glass or watercolor. Like if they, yeah. yeah. Uh, but also something you see uh, quite a bit for a lot of issue ones is they do uh, mood setters. Uh, so uh even though you know these are people you recognize uh you're grading a meat question of okay this team this team of heroes is it's designed to get people who are not familiar with them into the comics so that's why each hero was named uh but uh you get the idea of okay they're all in a lineup why are they yeah. going to jail <laughs> uh what is you know because everybody liked the movie usual suspects yes <laughs> Uh, but, uh, uh, and you know, you also get those motifs of, okay, we're going to pull from unusual suspects for this, or we're going to pull from whatever this, we, uh, 
Uh, Stephen Butler, who's doing the uh, Kickstarter cover for Wolf Hunter, uh, pulled from uh, oh, was it um, is it like Soldiers and Heroes, something like that, or it's uh, you know, old timey World War II stories, and we end up getting a, a motif cover of uh, the Battle of Britain, which ties into the story, but it isn't the main uh, you know. Right. arc of the story so we end up getting this... like you said it sets the mood it sets the mood yeah um one of my so i've got to actually pull from a novel for a reference here but this is a a blind like i had never seen from this i have not i had not heard of this writer uh, i saw the cover and had to pick it up and that is the six gun tarot uh mm. which <laughs> if, you, if anyone likes westerns and uh clive barker style you know shooting up demons and whatever recommend that sounds uh, pretty cool yeah um it has it, you know you deal with like the occult and wizardry in 1869 colorado or nevada uh nevada um but uh the font is unique they have a weird umlaut there what's that about um but then uh there's just there's some <laughs> yeah there's some mystery going on with the character there's uh we have to like answer the question of what's going on with that eye they're breaking the sense of that's actually breaking the sense of familiarity because when you see a human face, you expect a human face. If something is completely offset, like an eye or whatever, you're going to break that. So that's something you see used in a lot of horror tropes. Uh, the kid looks beat up and a solemn, so we're kind of figuring out what, you know, why, why is her face set up the way that it is? And uh, you can't really see it, but there is, uh, in the background, there's Kanji and an Ouroboros. Um Kind of maybe. There's a lot of light going on in my house. Um, but uh, you, you end up creating a lot of conflicting elements or a lot of you know these standout elements. Even though it's a simple cover, it's a kid in front of a background with a thing on his eye. Um, but you you create some conflicting elements to create a, a sense of discord, but without it being jarring. It's about you know these elements don't necessarily belong together, especially when we're talking about a Western. So what is the unifying factor? And well, that's in the meat of the book. Hmm. Right. I can see that. Um, was it uh Jeepers Creepers did that? The old Jeepers Creepers. Movie oh yeah. Yeah. Under, uh, DVD sleeve. You know what I mean? It was a very up close and uh, of the, of the creature. You know what I mean? The, yes. With the eyeball, I believe. <clears throat> The old classic. It was good. That was a classic. Uh, so I'll open up here before you get to uh, writing the interiors. What are some of your guys's? Uh, you know, when you're thinking about uh, the creating the initial cliffhanger, or you know, if you saw like a title that immediately like uh, same thing of like you won't believe what happens next. For me, that's I would name like the six gun tarot. Like we think of six gun and tarot cards, like. There, there's a there's immediate question to have like okay what what magic what roll wild wild west guns that I'm going to see here, but uh, uh, what what are some of your uh, thoughts or favorites uh, or, or or memories of covers or titles or things that have stuck with you? I always go back to Secret War <laughs> whenever uh, I think it's issue number twelve. It's kind of a pink cover. Um, and it's got Dr. Doom without his mask on and he's, he's, it's a, it's a, it's a down, downward angle shot, bird's eye view. 
And all the Avengers are in the background, all dead, laying there, knocked out or whatever. And he's just like, you know, holding his hand up and he's got like a crazy laugh look. And uh, it's like, oh, did Doctor Doom kill everybody? You know, and of course he did. (laughs) You know, it's hilarious. I love Secret Wars, if you can't tell. I think I bring it up every time. Oh, that was, yeah. That's such a great Mm storyline. Yeah. Unbelievable, just um, the whole story around that too. You know how fast yeah. they had to get everything together, and uh, yeah. But I, yeah, that was that's one of my favorite old time covers that you look at and you're like, wow, you know, uh, it's really really cool. But you, Jose, they have um, which there's others. I like, named. yeah, I like the old. Like I said, the older uh, anything that shows the uh, the hero getting beat up, you know what I mean. That's always going to pull my interest. Um, there was, was it Justice League uh, International when uh, uh, Batman was beating the crap out of uh, Guy Gardner, and then there's another one where uh, they're holding Batman back from beating the crap out of some Batman is a mean guy. Yeah, <laughs> and then you know what I mean. Uh, or or the classic. Um, Crisis on Infinite Earth, where Superman's mm. holding Supergirl, you know what I mean, yep. stuff like that. That yeah. that particular that particular layout with the you know in regards to the character has been used like multiple times, and I'm a sucker for it. I still pick up like it doesn't even matter what book it is. If someone's doing an homage to it, I'm gonna grab it. Um, but stuff like that, like, old... stuff like there's a lot of them where like, Wolverine got kicked, guys butt kicked, like all bloody and everything. Yeah, just because it's Wolverine. Mm-hmm. The famous classic Spider-Man cover where he's walking away down an alley, and then he's got his uh, suit in the in the trash can, uh, and, yeah. and then that thing has been copied so many times it's ridiculous. With yeah. different heroes, right. they even have one with Superman. You know, uh, uh, yeah, kind of like that. It's funny. No, and uh, uh, kind of speaking speak, you know, about uh, you know. Heroes getting crappy all of them because you know our expectation with these heroes is always going to be like oh they're going to you know well they're going to go through a hero struggle but at the end they're going to you know triumph for you know whatever reason that they they are fighting for or just because you know they get the bad <laughs> the bad guy can't win in the end uh, but when you end up getting storylines that uh, when they announce like issue one the death of Superman or you know <laughs> like the, yeah. the trade of the death of Wolverine all they need you to do is pick that title and they know they're sold yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there's not much speculation there. I haven't there. read it yet, but yeah, um, I haven't read it yet. But there is one. It's like the life and death of Wolverine. But uh, like the the uh, title flips, so it's like yes. one way it's the death of Wolverine, and then if you fl- if they flip it upside down for the next issue, it's the life of Wolverine. Yes, it's a little confusing for me personally, but like I get the gimmick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just. That's part of the cool. ruse, Jose. Yeah. It's to confuse yeah, right? you. Yes. It confused me to buy it. Yeah. yeah. Buzz. Uh, see what's that done? Yeah, when they, uh, like on the interior of the uh, House of X, Powers of X book, uh, they have each thing that will there, but like they'll do inverted uh, lettering. It's like Powers of X, you can't really see. But yeah. When you actually get into like the interiors and like the actual title cards, it'll flip like the circle will kind of rotate into like is this a House of X? Is this a Powers of X? Which one are we in? Uh, but just the 
I, I, this was one that uh, I uh, actually ended up picking up and, and reading through after it had finished its run because I wanted to get the. I knew they're going to do a hardback of it. Um, but it yeah, when they easier. do, yeah, it's easier. <laughs> so much um, to it, it was easier. Yeah, but also when they uh, when they do something, they end up getting like these fun alternate covers and like alternate coloring styles. But they'll do. But they started doing the same where they oh, yeah. put like a check mark next to which one it is. But you're still like it's still the same storyline, but it's a different one. So like this weird little things you can do with titling. Uh, to create any sort of question or any sort of you know interest with it, it goes a long way. <laughs> yeah, another uh, cliffhanger uh, cover thing is uh, <clears throat> always the the villain holding on to Spider Man as he's like yes. laying limp in their hands. Yeah, like Spider Man, how he keeps going is beyond me because like, dude, I'm so tired of getting beat up. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like I mean, you instantly want to get the oh, why did why did that happen? Or like mm-hmm. uh, I think there was one, uh, the death of Spider Man, and it was I think it was a Christmas issue where Thanos is standing there with his hand like this, and Spider Man's like limp body with his arms falling between his fingers, you mm-hmm. know, on the cover, and uh, it all had to deal with like Spider Man like meeting death, and Thanos is there, and um, and. You know, just basically fighting Thanos, even though he's like, "Listen, dude, you're not going to beat me here." And then Death end up siding with with uh, Spider Man, yeah, and kind of sending him back. But it was an interesting, like, like I definitely wasn't collecting Spider Man at the time, but I definitely picked that up because, oh, it's Thanos kicking the crap out of Spider Man. Oh yeah, yeah. That definitely drew me in for that. Well, that's the uh, cliffhangers to pick up the book uh, and want to see what's inside, you know. Uh, So (laughs) then there's the other cliffhangers of uh, throughout the book. Yes. So in the middle of the book, or not even in the middle, but, you know, when you go from page to page, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I know a lot of writers like to have a tiny cliffhanger to get yes. you to the next page the every hour the other yes and depending on your publisher's format that's going to change like your, your page numbering but uh the way serverline works is we have a single a singular interior cover and then page one is there so every odd numbered page the last panel is going to be some sort of question or a shock or something like if you ever watched uh ncis yeah. like the end of like a, a segment before it cuts to commercial the moment where it cuts in someone's face fades to gray and then cuts to commercial that's the effect you're wanting to get in that panel of the uh what's going to happen next okay um and they don't need to be as dramatic as you might experience on daytime television because it's literally just a, a page flip away from someone in front of zapping so it can be just a small question of well, have you considered this? And it, it, you know, it, it has some significance to the hero, and so might, you'll be like, "Oh, I, I need to figure out what's happening there." These are the uh, one more page style cliffhangers, where if you know you're reading your trade paperback or your your collection, and it's already like twelve thirty one o'clock at night, and you hit one of those things like, "Well, okay, I got one more in." That's uh, you know exactly what what novels are built off of just the ramping tension until you can find a natural way to release it. But right. uh, you're always about uh, again hitting <clears throat> those same like uh, psychological triggers that are going to create a small amount of anxiety in your reader. Now that's easy the mm-hmm. same moments that you might find in horror, but want to keep them going forward until they find the end. Uh, so 
you know, when you're in your last panel, the villain gets reduced. In your last panel, the hero has a moral quandary. In your last panel, the fight is about to start, or you know, uh, and then you can completely subvert it. We're in like the first panel, of the next page, like, oh, actually, the fight's a misunderstanding, or they're yeah. actually friends or whatever. Uh, so so there's a bunch, or of somebody ways. just does something completely outlandish, and then mm-hmm. you have to know what. How? Why? Yes. What? Why? And then you go yeah. to the next part. Uh, yeah. I think uh, I'm thinking of uh, Dark Knight's uh, Metal, mm-hmm. where Bruce Wayne calls the whole Bat family together. Yes, <laughs> he's infected with the Joker toxin. And uh, oh yeah, <laughs> it's so hilarious. And then, well, guys, we've been through a lot together. Boom, 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 boom. It just blows everybody away. Yeah. <laughs> it kills everybody. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that was that whole, uh, out of everyone, out of all the other heroes, I trained you. You guys were going to be the ones to figure me out first. <laughs> yep. Yep. My, yeah. Uh, my, my favorite one of those involving Batman is actually in um, uh, the Tinian Run uh, Joker War. Uh, and it's at the the end of the run. Um, uh, essentially, he's given you know, um, the Batman's given predicament: either go save, um, um, I believe it's is it Catwoman or is it? I believe it's Catwoman. I believe it's Selena Kyle. Yeah, it's go save Selena Kyle uh, and and Harley, who are strapped to a bomb somewhere else, or save Joker, who's right in front of him and also strapped to a bomb that the Riddler put there. Because uh, this is the moment where the Riddler gets his one ups on the Joker. And uh, the Joker, you know, plays into what every Batman f- fan has expected. This point was like, "Well, you can't let me die. I'm the Joker. Like, it's the whole thing is that you don't kill people. You don't right. let people die." And that's what the thing is, both us panel and the Joker says that. Flip the next page, and Batman just walks away. <laughs> and you're like, "Oh, Batman! Batman has changed drastically at this moment." But it's a really effective page turn where you built to this the the cliffhanger that Batman has been building to for. 80 years. <laughs> yeah. And then you actually, you, you get a, a, you get the moment where the, you, for as a reader, you think you'd be able to breathe and like put the book down and go to bed. But and you're like, it almost sucks the air out of you. How drastic that answer actually is to the question. Mm. Well, you know, you expect to turn the page. Okay. Batman's going to figure out how to save everybody. Cause yeah. he's Batman. Right. He evidently has something in his utility belt that is literally going to save everybody. And then you flip the page, you're like, wait. But, but Batman, your utility belt should have that big. Oh, I did. <laughs> Shows do it, too. I, know, um, I think it's the same, uh, the same yeah. principle. You know yeah. how they go but you know, to a commercial. Mm-hmm. Before the commercial, they usually have some like, you know, and the yeah. music goes up before the commercial, you know. Yes, yeah, the ramp. Something happens, and the and the music goes up, and then, you know that you then you have yeah, the they commercial do it for, roll. Uh, reality shows as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, hard. Yeah, yeah. or yeah, uh, another thing the reality shows is they they have like uh, kind of like a, a a trailer for the next segment mm-hmm. of what's about to yeah. happen. You yes. know, yeah, and, and uh, yeah. But yeah, it's the same principle there. You know, every other page with with us, you get the little cliffhanger, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like you know to get you to the yes. next the next segment, kind of yeah. like a commercial break. Exactly, and to build a little bit of a cliffhanger here, uh, if you're pre-ordering uh, Wolfhunter issue one, uh, due to 
some changes in page count, the cliffhangers may not be on every odd numbered page. Uh, there may be something a little special going on there, but you have to find Ooh. out when you're back. <laughs> we'll find out That's one. a cliffhanger. <laughs> you're drawing me in just for that. I want to. I want to know now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a like, ploy, uh, people. Don't listen uh, to Tim. It's a ploy. It's a lie. Right. Um, the old EC comics are really, really good about that. Like, um, yeah. when they were writing, was it a, uh, uh, not so much the Tales from the Crypt, but what's the other one? Tales of Horror or something like that. I think. Yeah. It was a bunch of different stories. It's almost like the, it was the book that would have like the story that, uh, the monkey paw, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they were almost, almost self-contained stories within like an issue or two. You know yeah. what I mean? But those, like you would flip the page on those cause you knew it was like, oh man, because they were very, they were very like, I don't know. I, I know a lot of people say like, like some of this newer stuff they wanted to be cerebral. But personally, those were kind of cerebral for me. Yeah, you know what I mean to be able to like, oh man, like, is this person going to be able to get out of this? Is like, well, mm. I got to know what's going on. What, is the monster about to come through the door? Like, what the yeah. heck? Like those were like the page turners for me back in the day. And even those, like, those came out before. I don't want to say before I was born, but like they came out a long time ago. But I grew up, you know what I mean, like reading them or finding them somewhere and. Oh, learning about them just great, great writing. Oh yeah, I guess is what I'm saying. And, and that's definitely you know something as, as a writer trying to do is trying to create that tension and that uh, for momentum of I, I want my my reader to be thinking what happens next uh, every time they they could <laughs> put the book down or or, or for anything like that. Um, but as an artist, you're working with the panel flow in the page or the panel design. Um, uh, what or what might be some of the considerations you might have when you're approaching like the panel flow or, or like either the look of that last pa- uh, panel or how you're you're structuring that to, to flow into guiding the reader to pull page to page. Uh, I know with me personally, I try to save my money shots for right around that cliffhanger and right on the cliffhanger if possible. Uh, and when I say money yeah. shots, I just mean you know, leaving the extra room to be able to get a good shot of them, you know, good iconic shot or whatever. Um, and I will try to condense stuff where I can to do that in the realm of, you know, uh, with in keeping with the pacing and everything. So, uh, yeah, that's what I try to do. And I, I try to begin with a pretty large panel a segment. And I try to end with a with a large panel, you know, I, I say a large panel, something, just a significant something, you know, something eye catching, and then to definitely catch the eye, right? Exactly like, to, to draw the eye to that focus. Something you might might see here where uh, the gun gets pulled and then open like knocking on a door of of some truck that may have been insignificant a little bit ago. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Awesome. I just, I just every time we see this it makes me chuckle. But speaking of <clears throat> what's happening, uh, type reactions. Uh, we have we have one page of our Christmas special. It's, it's bear, you know, it's it's bear. Uh, yeah, resolution of bear. <laughs> yeah. England, I, I didn't 1940. Even that till just now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's bear, and all of a sudden you see the bombing of London. Yeah, <laughs> someone's kid is like, what? Yeah, yeah. Right, somebody is crying to their mom because yes, they're upset because yes. Bear just got blowed up. Yep. 
Uh, big ups to our editor rolling for that one. <laughs> Man, I didn't even notice that till you just showed. So you just showed it. That's funny. That's a moment though where the dad is reading the comic to their kid. And like, okay, go to bed. This one's for me. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, and the end. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's how you tell the story to your kids. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jose, what about you? What are some of your uh, thoughts regarding regarding uh, panel flow and panel structure? So, I don't really focus much on that in regards to because I'm I'm an inker, right? Yeah. Like, um, I've I've done my own comic book, you know, my own superhero book. I've done my own, you know, western, and I try. I, I break it up when I when I created like them. I broke them up into sections. Like, I knew that this section was going to be a flashback this section was going to be and I would uh, or this section was going to be like um, the cause and what causes the main character like for my superhero book what caused him to go into the um, into counseling you know what I mean Uh, what caused him to go see doctors to be locked up what you know what I mean and what caused him to get away you know what I mean what that was for me that's that's how I thought about it when I when I wrote it out but like in regards to to like inking, I really do try to, uh, um, in the same principle of you want the story to flow a certain way, I personally think that the inks should do the same thing. And I know that some pencils are pretty, pretty like stick was like, listen, this is the way I penciled it. This is the way I want it to be. And I can respect that. But sometimes, you know, like, and I'll, like I said before, I'll ask, you know what I mean? Hey, what if I did this? Because I feel that if I do this with the inks, it's going to flow it's going to help your pencils to flow you know what i mean to get to the end of the page you know to go to the next side you know what i mean so like just like like i said different techniques like different like uh like zap lines and stuff like that to draw focus in a particular way like um that's what i try to do you know what i mean like i'm not trying to like re reinvent how you the writer has, has told the story how the writer has floated how the artist penciler has done it I'm trying to emphasize what the penciler has done. Definitely. That's really how I look into it. <clears throat> yeah. And, and I don't think that's, uh, I, I definitely like having, you know, the, the insight from kind of all the different stages of, you know, uh, creative process there. I'd be actually interested to, you know, if we had, well, you guys have also, um, uh, dabbled with coloring a little bit, but, um, they have like a you know veteran color color talk about you know coloring that last panel or color, the, the flow of colors throughout the page because I imagine it might, it might be the same thing where if you're working with a gradient or something you might do something to kind of do a slight break in the gradient or a slight uh, accent on the on that end there too uh, or along the line that you're trying to get the reader to uh, read through. Uh, right. Yeah. <clears throat> and there's like different coloring techniques you can use too. Like I like I personally like. Um, kind of heavy renders in regards mm-hmm. to colors for yeah. like what I'm doing. Um, I can do the cell shading. I've done the cell shading. It's fairly easy, but you know, uh, I like the renders. I like, you know, if I've got to take away color to add, to make it more, you know, like muted, you know what I mean? And to get to the big, you know what I mean? The big explosion, the big eye catching thing at the end. Like I'll do that. Like I'll flow the colors that way. Start off with like some cool, some cool colors and work your way to like something hotter if there's like an explosion or something like that or something like just to just to pull 
like where you're supposed to, oh man, and then flip the page. Like that's kind of how I look into it. Definitely. Like whether it's the right way or the wrong way, that's just that's how my brain works. <clears throat> For sure. And I, I do think that um uh one of the things that really makes uh comics so interesting is the fact that uh whether or not we're all like educated and going through an art school or uh however we do it like we're all unique or self-taught we're all, we're all unique in people with our different takes on what you know the type of story you like to tell the type of art we like to do on it all that steps and that also influences the type of things that draws our interest um and because you know, very clearly there is a difference in, in taste between people. Some people make some movies, some people like you know, the kind of movie, that's fine. But uh, you end up getting people who might have different tastes working on the same book. Ideally, there's some overlap there because that's why they signed on to the book in the first place. But there, uh, what stands right. out in a cliffhanger or in a, uh, a panel, uh, end panel, might be different for each person along the line. Um, you know, for the writer, it may be, um, you know, uh, a sound effect or a bit of dialogue that's, uh, that's finally getting used for the uh, pencil art might be, you know, the expression or the introduction, introduction of a prop or whatever, you know, for um, uh, uh, colors or something that might be like a change in setting or change in dynamics. that's going to influence the way that the colors play on the subject material. And I uh, imagine also at some point inking, it, there might be things where, um, it may not necessarily, you know, break the type of line work you've been doing the entire time line. Cause if <laughs> line work is a hard thing to break because it can really jar uh, the eyes, but there might be something where lines take it, uh, take a different play, or uh, there might be something where, you know, something might get overemphasized or over uh, detailed, uh, you know, especially like with the, some of those hard, hard pushes we get on our character's faces at the last panels, they're doing the, uh, the, Oh no face. Um, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> like me personally like um i say that a lot me personally yeah. but um i feel when you do something like that and i mean quentin you chime in on that one but like um i feel that if you're doing an up close face and stuff like that like i don't know I, i'd like to add thinner lines to the face like you know in regards to like shadowed areas and stuff like that like because it gives an almost like the old school feel, like you can do like uh, cross hatching in like um, where like if it's up close, it's almost like um, like like a forced lighting. You know what I mean? You get like yeah, yeah. An up close lighting, like that kind of draws people's attention to look at it. Like oh, like like you can tell like that person is like shocked or or you know whatever expression they're trying to do. You know what I mean? The, the lighting, like you creating that lighting with with the inks. I think that uh, I don't know. I personally like it. <laughs> I think Wenton's muted. Or yeah, there we go. Ah. <laughs> Anything to give it mood and give it uh, give it oomph. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, any kind of lighting things effects you could do, or um, of course you go you know crazy with the expressions and stuff. Yeah. Uh, what I was saying, uh, or when you were talking just a second ago, was. Uh, Whenever, like, uh, you know, talking about different people having different, uh, you know, when we uh, approach all this stuff, you know, different artists or different writers or whatever might have, see things different. They might want to, me personally, I don't like to watch more than one trailer of a movie 
Mm. Uh, just because I don't want to, and I don't I like these you. trailers that yeah. that don't get that that get too in depth, where I pretty much see the whole movie before I see the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I try because they just spoil me too much. I don't want to know too too much, and so that's why, like, I'm having this huge conundrum with this cover, is because I, you know. Like 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 I am with the trailers, I don't really want to give away too too much, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. It used to be that you. Uh, I think they did this with like the first Deadpool, but it used to be that you might get trailers that would intentionally mislead you. Now, like if you pass the initial teaser, it um, you know, like the new Doctor Strange trailer, like they're like there's gonna be fifty thousand cameos in this movie, and that's all you're getting. Perfect. That's all I, I need do- to know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. and I've even heard of stuff that's going to be in that, and I still don't. When I watch the trailer, I'm like, I still don't know what's going on. That yeah. that movie, I, I don't know. But, uh, I feel like, but well, yeah. there are certain like I don't like I don't like watching trailers. Like, like you said, I don't. Yeah, like especially nowadays. Like back in the day, you'd get a trailer and it'd be like a couple little snippets here and there, mm-hmm. right? With like some but, like impending doom music, and you're yeah, like, yeah. oh, just when you thought it was safe to blah blah blah, right? But like now, it's like, like you said, you're basically getting the movie. And yeah, I hate that so much, well, like, especially Tom Cruise movies. And yeah, and I yeah. remember when you could watch a trailer mm-hmm. and like watch the movie, and it be almost nothing like the trailer. Like yeah. anything you thought was going to happen did not happen. Yeah, I mean, not that they were misleading right. you, but I'm saying, <laughs> you know, you just didn't get enough to be yeah. able to put it all together. Now they show the you whole plot of yeah. the movie. Yeah. And I it's hate, like, by yeah. the time I get there, I have no questions. I've already yeah. seen it. You know, yeah, I, you get, you get, uh, especially the Tom Cruise movies, these are like, especially egregious. I don't know why in particular, like if this is contract as the trailer needs to be like a short film length. Uh, but <laughs> you know, <it> always <laughs> right. get like, you always hit all the major plot beats in, in trailers for those. But also when they're showing an action set piece, they show the entire set piece. Um, like, I, yeah. <laughs> which, or when, or, oh God, this um, really annoyed me. Oh, it, was, uh, it was something I, I watched where the trailer had delivered the entire joke setup and punchline for one of the funniest parts of the movie. And so yeah. it immediately drained all the impact from that scene. Um, yeah. Uh, and see, that's like having a comic book cover that's got the end of the book on it. Yeah. You know, it's like, or, you know, and having everything listed yeah. out, the whole plot of the story and yeah. everything. Why would you want to do that? What's what's the point in picking it up if, you know, you know what's going to happen? Yeah. Right. I, I, I definitely think that there's like, you know, if you're going to show something like, either show us just the setup or just the resolution, like don't let tell us how we got there or don't tell us where we're going. Like one of the one of those two things needs to be obscured, like uh, showing Doctor Doom standing over you know the dead Avengers is great because you know like everyone's expecting like but you know that's something that can't happen because it's Marvel Comics, uh, you can't just kill all the Avengers, <laughs> and like, uh, but that that's then the t- the editor and the creative team coming in like well you won't believe how it happens, <laughs> um, yeah but you pretty much told it. Yeah. What happens. Uh, and and so yeah, you have to find ways of, of obscuring things. Or one of my favorite things from noir stories, it's just uh, uh, you know, talking about uh, misleading someone. But if you do it well, um, 
you set up the initial premise. You uh, show the reader who the villain is right away. And then you lie to them. For every page of your story, you lie to them. <laughs> <laughs> it's just straight up like, no, we're, that guy goes on the carpet. This is who we're focusing on right now. This is the bad person you need to worry about. No, now it's this person. You need to worry about this person. And that can, if you do it well, you do actually end up creating this really weird effect where as a reader, you start creating a sense of distrust in the narrator of the story. Yeah. Yeah. In the war stories, your narrators and your settings are uh, inherently untrustworthy. Either they have some sort of like vice that you know, everyone has heard of like the alcoholic detective or whatever, or they lost their memory or whatever. Uh, Memento is really good with this on the movie. If anyone's seen it, Memento yes. is a great movie. Yes, but it's the you can't be this thing, and then we lie to you, and we don't tell you the truth until the very end, and it's exactly what you thought at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, that's one there. You really, yeah. it'll make you sit through it. Don't, you can't even go to the bathroom, man. Yeah, uh, but right. Like thankfully, I watched it on the uh, DVD oh, back yeah. when I watched it. So like we get to like pause it. It's like wait a minute, back it up. Mm-hmm. Like, what did I just miss? In, in high school, we had a film as literature class, and that was in the movies we had to break down and to report on. Uh, oh boy, yeah, doing <laughs> that 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 unit was Memento, uh, The Matrix, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and Inception. <laughs> That if you ever want to break, uh, like, uh, mind was actually pretty cool, it's really good, yeah. But if you ever want to break, like, an art student's mind, just like, all right, now here's like all these stories that rely on you not knowing what's happening at, at any point, and just <laughs> now tell me what's happening, right? I remember, uh, like I said, uh, a lot of the older movies did like, and like you, you mentioned about noir stories and whatnot, and those, yeah. Those are my favorite. I've mentioned that before. Those are my favorite stories because, like, even the old trailers for the older black and white movies, oh, they yeah. didn't give it away. Like, the closest thing you got to like the cliffhanger in the in the trailer was all of a sudden you saw a hand come out from the side and a gun fired, and yeah. you have no clue. <clears throat> it's like a um, I feel personally that's what I got when I watched the trailer for yeah. um, the newer movie, you know, murder on the, on the Nile. Yeah. But again, it was set to, um, to Agatha Christie's story. So like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Even the, thankfully they didn't just reveal everything in the trailer. Cause that mm-hmm. would have been, that yeah. probably would have ticked me off. But, Definitely. I think also well. like that, that made me feel like I was like, okay, this going to watch this made me feel like I went to go watch movies when I was younger. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like where, it didn't tell you everything that was going to happen. Yeah, and and I I liked the the first uh, one they did of this pour over. They did uh, murder on the Orient with him. Uh, I've actually yes. been I'm very happy that <clears throat> four movies are making a comeback. <laughs> um, right? Yeah. Uh, definitely one of the like, and for a lot of people, I think this like generationally, this might be a lot of people's first introduction to you know works of Agatha Christie or like the adventures of you know. Uh, Doctor Poirot. Uh, oh, Poirot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Which are great stories, and there's actually, uh, I think it's on uh, one of the British channels, like BritBox or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they have like, obviously in England, I guess they have like just a ton of yeah, of uh, Poirot series. You know what I mean? Serials. 
yeah. just like in, in like in Asia, they have like so many um so many stories about uh, Wang Fei Hook. Was it Wang Fei Hook? Anyway, one of the people that's like super. I can't. Now I'm gonna say the name. Wrong, people are gonna correct me. But uh, they have so many stories about that particular character. Yeah. And um, like so many pe- people have played it. Jackie Chan's played it. I think. Yeah. Um, I think uh, uh, Jet Li has played it. I think even Donnie Yen might have played the guy. Yeah. But, like they have a lot of about this particular guy. That's like how I feel. Um, serials in England are about uh, Perot. Yeah, I mean, which is interesting because he's a French guy. Yeah, actually, I think he's supposed to be. Isn't he Belgian? Belgium, Belgium, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, uh, also English serials are just fascinating as like a, a media structure because of like the way the business is handled and like that. Because uh, they don't they don't do syndicalization like we do here. Like if you sell a TV show in the United States, you're, you're renewed for season after season, and you're just kind of like or told to create content. Oh, in England, it's like, all right, we're going to give you three seasons, tell the complete story in that time, and you might do a sequel. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. Um, Except for Doctor Who. Doctor, yeah, Doctor Who is a, a weird one. I think that's because I was originally converted from a, uh audio drama, and those were kind of done that I way. I was going to say, it was an audio thing, wasn't it? Like, yeah. You know yeah. Uh, Peter would know. Yep. Yeah, same with a uh, uh, comic book classic, uh, Green Hornet. Um, yes. Yes. I actually like the what was it the dynamite uh, run on Green Hornet. I thought it was kind of cool. I as well. Yeah, I didn't like the. Uh, I couldn't get into the Seth Rogen movie, but <laughs> I never even watched. No, it. that one. That one threw me off. Yeah, because I like the principle of it, but I don't remember Green Hornet being a bubbling moron. Yeah. Like maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, I, you know, glamorized him in my mind, like from different readings and stuff like that. But I didn't remember him being a bumbling idiot. idiot and yeah, no. you know, that's kind of how Seth Rogen played him. Which is, yeah. I mean, that's an angle, I guess. What? Well, I'll say what it made me want is I wanted Seth Rogen to play Booster Gold. Uh, that's how I felt he was playing him. He felt like he's playing Green Hornet like Booster Gold. I yeah, he just—he's yeah, not a yeah. serious character to me. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, uh, he Michael Keaton really surprised me. Off. And every now and then, they when they cast somebody that I, you know, don't think it's going to be good. Yeah, they do mm-hmm. surprise <laughs> me. But yeah, yeah, the whole Seth Rogen thing with Green Hornet—I knew how that was going to turn out. I knew. Uh, right. I mean, there were aspects that were funny, like when. Yeah. Uh, um, was it Kano kept kept uh, tranking them? You know what yes. I mean. But like as a whole, I was like, eh, oh, yeah. <clears throat> but that's uh, just like um, they said. Like people were like, they cast Chris Pratt as like comedic roles and whatnot because that's what he was doing. And then, yeah, well, I think it was his first role, like serious, sort of serious role, was like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. And then they got him for yeah. other stuff. Yes, and now he, now he's voicing every character in existence. Yeah, Mario right. and yeah. Uh, what's the other one? Mario and uh, uh, I can't remember. It's there's another big cool. one though. Yeah, that he's uh, doing. Honestly, like the, my, uh, my my my. Speaking of of, of clickbait or clickbait marketing, 
when they announced uh, Idris Elba was going to be voicing Knuckles in the new Sonic movie, I feel like that's all the marketing you need right there. It's like when, <laughs> right? Yeah. Funny it... enough, I thought it was Antonio Banderas at first. It no, yeah. Like it had like a Spanish accent. Kind of, yeah. And I was like, "Whoa, was that Antonio Banderas? That's dope." But no. Yeah. Idris Elba. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's one of those things where yeah, all you have to do is say that dude's name, and mm-hmm. he's gold. Yeah. And, and and yeah, that's that's definitely something. Like when you get to establish titles of comic, you can definitely get away with his <laughs> doing the thing where, like, by the way, X is in this comic, or, or by the way, you know, X wrote this comic. Right. Uh, uh, <clears throat> but uh, it's 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 definitely a. There's a western on Netflix that he's in that uh, I know it's just a camera play, but. Um, he plays the antagonist in the, in the uh, movie. I think it's something like The Harder They Fall. I think that's what it's called. Something like that. It's yeah. a western. And uh, there's a scene where they his his crew come and get him off the train, like the train cart that he's has a, the jail cell in it. And he comes out of it, right, walks out of the darkness of the cell. And all he does is just kind of flex and the camera bows the <laughs> thing around yes. him. And like I look at that and I, I watch that, I was like, okay, I get the effect that they're trying to, to give. Like, you know, he's just like that much, like he's just that much, right? Like he's just yeah. like he flexes the world around him. But I was like, how much is that the camera and how much is that really just Edgar Selva? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> like that wasn't even camera work, that was him. <laughs> well, I was like after seeing uh what <laughs> You kind of got a little bit of the trailer, but when you actually like watch the Suicide Squad and you see uh, Elder Selva as Bloodsport and John Cena as Peacemaker, you're like, Matt, that is oh a God. lot of meat on screen, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, I uh, I saw an article. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Let me say, yes, speaking of, of of you know, kind of, you won't believe what's going to happen. Marketing uh, when they. With how poorly Suicide Squad did when they decided to relaunch the Suicide Squad, uh, and just the you know not really getting a whole lot of what's going on. Um, oh well, actually, uh, this ties into a lot of things. Also, uh, also the, the uh, marketing through misguiding or, or kind of you know uh, leading your audience to believe something and then subverting expectations. Uh, for a while, they're they're marketing you know the first ten minutes of the movie exclusively. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Other, all those characters were not in the rest of the movie. Uh, but they're like, yeah, we got. <laughs> that was. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely went into that. See that scene and be like, wait a minute, wait, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> that was yeah. That the the amount of trailers they played toward like, you know, we knew we we're going to get like King Shark and Pokemon Man, which already is kind of like. Why are these characters in a mainline movie? <laughs> um, right. Uh, uh, so you're already creating some weird questions about like what, why is this movie is, and then they, you know, they start putting together trailers showing like Ricochet and Javelin and uh, Detachable Arm Kid a little bit, and it's like okay, that's still kind of weird and <laughs> Weasel. Uh, and you know, they show like the whole Weasel. drop in. <laughs> yeah, they show the whole drop in sequence, <laughs> and you know, and, and Ricochet being like uh, an impromptu team leader and all that. And then that's not the movie, <laughs> but that's not yeah, right. Yeah, but the the amount of like of like, but that's an example of 
using clickbait and then going straight into content. Like, because the rest of that movie is very good. It, it, it is very substantive. Uh, that makes sitting through it, like, uh, having your expectations be completely torn away worth it. Um, but they, they might. I will say that just personal choices, I would, I would have been okay if Harley wasn't in it. I know why she was, but yeah. <laughs> I would have been okay if she wasn't in it. Sure. I personally like Harley a lot, but I, I for me, uh, uh, Polka Dot Man is definitely the star of the show. Um, <laughs> right? I thought the same thing. <laughs> yes, uh, but the amount of just you know uh, all that market, all that marketing was just that like traditional cliffhanger marketing and like setting up those like small little bits of clickbait. Where like this is a really weird thing that's happening. You should watch it because it's weird, or you should watch it because it's going to be something that right. like you have not seen anywhere else. Um, the uh. <laughs> God, that movie, um, and then you know, just the <clears throat> introduction of Starro as the villain, and you're like, why is Starro in anything modern DC? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I think I I really wish that they had not shown Starro yes. at all in any of the trailers. Like that, that was a, a I don't know. I thought that was a bad move because it would have been gone over so much better. Yes. When all you know the only only enemy you thought was like the gangster or uh the only beast that you thought was King Shark. You know what I mean? Yes. Cuz then you're like, "Oh yeah." And then all of a sudden Starro appears and you're like, "Holy monkeys." Like, yeah, that, that would have been to me that would have been perfect. Uh I I had done the thing where like I'd only watched the teaser trailer for it. I'd only seen like the 30 second snippet with in the briefing room uh where they show well that and the uh national marketing oh, yeah. that they did like Flula and Adam Morch and all that. But this is the bit where they that's just in the briefing room and John Cena's asking questions about Project Starfish. And so I kinda got some ideas from there. Uh but <laughs> um when they <laughs> But I, I did not actually see Starro on screen until I sat down and watched some movies. So for me, I just immediately died laughing. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's definitely... Uh, uh, that, that entire movie and all the work I mean, that is definitely a good example of... Uh, even then, like, going from scene to scene, they do a really good use of, of, of micro cliffhangers to keep you going into the next scene. But, I mean, the first one, obviously... Uh, the beach assault going horribly and everyone dying and you're left here wondering like what right. is the next hour and a half of this movie? <laughs> <laughs> um, but they do a lot of good stuff of, of transitioning on, on those small like macro cliffhangers where John Cena's character says something so outlandish you need to see what's going to happen next or uh, they uh, you know cut to uh, bad guys are doing stuff that is you know terrifying or um you know these real things, and and I do like. Uh, I thought some of the best use of Harley movie was uh, with her in the interrogation scene, and they're cutting between the the team on the island and Harley. Harley, then drawing the uh, the tension of well, like, are they actually going to be able to rescue her in time? Is she going to blow stuff up and before they right. can get to her? Like, what's going to happen there? Uh, so their their entire use of the back and forth creating these cliffhangers to draw the audience further along the movie, I thought was really well done. I uh, I didn't think that they were. I mean, I didn't. I guess I didn't look at it at, in the aspect that the way they did that what was using cliffhangers. You know what I mean, like that. Yeah. I guess. I guess I'm not 
wise in <laughs> like uh, i mean it makes sense like after it's explained to me i'm like oh yeah yeah i thought that too yes was it well it's that's, so that, that, like I, I got sold in like everyone else right well it's kind of the uh the the uh, our, our our shows are kind of weird and that's not really designed for like just the casual well, it is it is fun for like the casual comic reader who just wants to learn about like well why decisions are made there, but uh, it definitely the the way we try to structure I try to structure some of the content is uh, looking at things that you may not realize are happening or things that like um are are just fun to think about in regards to that uh, as you know I mean everyone like your average media consumer and you mentioned the cliffhanger they might think about like the the ending to a part one or two episode of a television show or something like that or like right direct ending but you know the a lot of storytelling is just breaking down big events into smaller microcosms and so you can have these little micro cliffhangers along the way that all build up into that and so as a comic creator as um uh the nerd that i am it's just fun to think about so how how much does that stay in the back of your mind as a writer uh, when you, you know what I mean, when you create your story or write your, like, between issue to issue? Like, is, is that something that's always in the forefront when you go into your writing? It's definitely something that uh, becomes more apparent as I get into my, I mentioned my writing process before, but my third draft is when I actually uh, go into the panel-panel uh, panel breakdown. And that's definitely when, like, I'm definitely thinking, all right, if this, page is going to be you know five or six panels and panel six needs to be this and how do i build backwards from there to to lead to that uh situation uh knowing the change that it's occurring uh because already established what whether the overall change that's going to be happening in the story on that page you know are going to be changing setting they're going to be changing character are going to be changing context or uh a question or whatever And, and um i think like oh this is uh and i'll think uh, when I'm creating those changes, fun little things I can do to build suspense going from page to page or tearaways or cutaways or whatever. So when I actually get to putting it into a script format, that is when my brain is fully on cliffhanger mode. And then after that, I'll tidy up dialogue and make it witty and all that. But the when I'm first sitting down to do the panel by panel script is when I'm definitely thinking about uh, creating those cliffhanger moments. Okay. You always ask us as an artist. I thought I'd ask you as a yeah, as a writer. Definitely. Oh, we're here to give uh, all perspectives on comic creation. Uh, That's right. Yes. Well, when I'm actually sitting down to like watch media or like in, in, enjoy something, I, I might. It, it's usually on in most cases if like I know it's going to be like good material. But there's some movies where I know that it's not good because I'll I'll. Or for like a books that I, I know we're not gonna be good because I'll, I'll usually, unless it's something that I'm a diehard fan of and I'm following because I'm following, uh, I'll get I'll, before I pick up anything, I'll, I'll read a review on it or go through the uh, the aggregates and, and see what the general consensus is. At which point I might just decide to turn my brain off. That's how I am with the current Godzilla movies. <laughs> I was like, I'm just here to see big monsters fight. <laughs> I, That's right. I'm not I'm not expecting it to be the old man in the sea. It's just big monsters fighting. Um. But if I'm going to something like, um, uh, uh, especially you know Marvel and DC movies, given how close they are to the type of stuff that I create, um, 
uh, I'll definitely be thinking about, you know, what is, you know, the writer's intent, what is the director's intent, and, you know, what are decisions being made along the way, and, and like, where do things get muddled, or where do things get elevated, and all that. I think, personally, like, I mean, I think because we, like, I go into the, the Marvel movie, I try my best to, like, just shut my brain off and just watch it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, otherwise, I'm going to, I'm going to tear it apart and be like, okay, that's yeah. not how it went in the storyline. Story mm-hmm. story but, but like, I try to go into it with the logic that, like, just shut your brain off and get entertained. But there are times where, like, I know what might be coming up. And, like, I, I guess I try to hyper-focus to, to see if I can catch, mm-hmm. you know, catch what, what they're throwing yeah. to link, you know, without, without being surprised. You know, you get the moments like, uh, um, you know, you get moments where like uh, Spider Man's flipping through the air, you know, Tom Holland and whatnot, and in regards to like the newest Spider Man, and without giving any clip, you know, spoilers away because if you haven't seen it by now, you need to go see it. Yes, <laughs> but uh, um, like there's a scene, like the scene where uh, you know, um, they're all talking to each other in the apartment. You know what I mean when they're mm-hmm. with MJ and what's his name and the, the the grandma and i think they were talking they were talking and they were i knew i was like okay they're gonna start talking about their webs because like they have to explain yes how yeah. how you know toby mcguire has like internal webbing and whatnot like that can't just be overlooked it's gotta they've gotta like they've gotta discuss it at some point right mm-hmm. so i'm like i'm sitting there like hyper focused in that particular scene where they're talking I'm like oh, are they gonna bring it up are they gonna bring it up and then they did. So like, oh, I knew that was going to happen. I knew it was going to come up yes. right now. I, I just knew it. And uh, but most of the time, like, I try to shut my brain off. But like, there are scenes yeah. like I'm definitely like, I want to focus to try and catch what's going to happen to see. Like, obviously yeah. that didn't happen in the comic book, but like, that was definitely content that fans were waiting for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you just you just knew. Definitely, yeah. I try not, <laughs> yeah, try not to think too much about like, is this like what's happening? What's happened in the comic story? Because yeah. I, I tried to approach it with like the mind, like it's an alternate timeline. It's you know this is Earth. I think, right. I think MCU is Earth three one three or something like that. Uh, six one six. Uh, six one six is the main co- comic continuum, but uh, the MCU is consi- is a different timeline altogether. Oh, the, oh, 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 gotcha, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. yeah, yeah. Uh, so they 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 have differences, and like now in the comics, they'll, they'll do things where they'll pull characters from the movie universe and like, wait, this isn't how this happened. Like, well, this isn't how it happened for us. And I think it's happening. They're pulling back right. and forth now. Um, but uh, <clears throat> definitely like looking at that and saying like, uh, like what's the timing like in, in the sequence? How much like chaff is being tossed back and forth before they, uh, like a plot point happens or um, the like, what's the main intention with the, the dialogue and scenes. So like, the, the sequence where they're all on the statue and they're all it's like, you know, being very uh, Peter so, Parkery with know, each other. At each other's backs. Yeah. That's like, uh, for for me, it's like, that was like, I'm like, this is, this is writing gold. Like this, there's no writing the tops. This is like, the writers knew exactly the emotional intent they wanted. They knew exactly like how they, like uh, what response I want to get from the audience. And they knew exactly. Right. Uh, how they wanted to like demonstrate the character's emotional state at that moment, <laughs> and then they hit the nail on the head. <laughs> um, uh, especially like 
the little nods to the audience where they mentioned like if you're if you're a Tobey Maguire or, or uh, Andrew Garfield fan, you might be a little older. So they start talking about like, oh, I got a back thing too. Yeah, you want me to pop that for you? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. That that was definitely a fun movie. Like, uh, I mean, there obviously it has some moments where like you know like oh that could have been tightened up a little bit or uh, you know that was an interesting choice to to focus there, but. Uh, was just a lot of fun and, and and critically a good movie too. Yeah, it brought it. it like, really gave me a little bit of hope too. back. Yeah, right. I, I, yeah, for for me, like, uh, Immortals was not or Eternals was not critically a good movie, but for me, it is emotionally a fun movie because I like the Eternals comics. So I'm just like, oh, cool! I got to see Icarus shoot I beams. Eternals was a kind of a stretch though because. Eternals was great for comic book people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Who love comics and already knew the characters. You know yes. What I mean? But like, there was a lot of like character, like Eternals canon or Eternals history that needed to be it, it explained was a lot, it, that it, they just kind of like pressed it, together too quickly. It was relying a lot on inside baseball. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, for, like for me, like you know, like ah, oh, cool. I get to see. Uh, uh, I, I the the thing that it, I will give you full screen up though, and that it did, um, subvert my expectations, and that it did not use the uh, same trader that they always go for in the comics. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sprite. Was... <laughs> Sprite oh, yeah. is the uh, was the one in the comics, right? That was the it, big. It, it, uh, Trader? It's usually it's usually Sprite or uh oh who's the Scottish one? Not his name already. Uh, uh, it's not. There, uh, Kingo, not Kingo. Uh, Kingo. Well, Kingo sometimes does it, but usually he's too big of a goof. Well, Kingo they got really really tight. Um, Druig is Druig. I didn't even look him up. I just, oh yeah, yeah. I just had to work through my brain catalog there. Like, which one is the one who always does something? <clears throat> it's always Druid who ends up making a deal with a deviant or ends up. Uh, I mean, they kind of they kind of like led in that direction a little bit and yeah. then flipped it. Yeah, and I, I thought that was the, that was something that I, I, I do give them credit for on on that little play around there was not taking kind of the easy out, uh, not going with like oh he's right. the yeah he he's the. Uh, uh, mind controller who's not too into the mission. Of course, he's the traitor. Uh, I thought they did a really, really good job hiding that one. Whereas some of the other things did rely too much on inside baseball or, uh, you know, the the uh, scenes. Some scenes could have been dense. Some scenes could have been expanded in ways that they didn't opt for. But that was something I definitely give them credit for. Right. Uh, so yeah, uh, it wasn't uh, too far a stretch when uh, <laughs> when you know. Sprite did what Sprite did in the movie. Yeah, I was yeah. I was not super familiar with the Eternals. I, mm-hmm. I never really kept up with them. They were kind of like tertiary. Uh, my with my comic reading, it's just you know there were so there's growing up so many characters. Yeah, to keep up with, and they were really fringe for me. Um, Basically, because I didn't think they really, uh, which, you know, there were aspects of them that were throughout the, you know, different stories yeah. that, I, that I read and looked at, you know, but uh, 
I didn't really pay much attention to them. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy was another one. I never really, yeah. I mean, outside of Nova, I wouldn't have even known who they were because I did pick up like a uh, Nova Annihilation, I think was the storyline. Oh, yeah. I didn't make it all the way through it, which I would have. But, you know, it's one of those things where I get to reading something and, you know, if I missed that one part, I just, you know, I, I say I'm going to go yeah. back to it, but I never do. Yep. And that's what that was. I really enjoyed it, though. Uh, yeah. One day, one day. Yeah. Uh, but, you I know, it's like just the older older real for me. Mm-hmm. Like what? I actually like the older Guardians of the Galaxy where it had like, uh, what's his name? Vance or whatever. Uh, the dude with the big fin. And then, uh, oh, no, uh, wow. Yondu. Yondu. And Yondu. And Yondu was like, like an archer. Not He didn't have that whistling thing. But yeah. he was an archer and uh, the big flat-headed dude. Like, I don't remember the names on top of my head now, but yeah. like, I actually like the stories that they have for them. Yeah. But, uh, there's a, they did an interesting run um, not too long after the initial Guardians of the Galaxy movie called Guardians 3000 where they brought back the original Guardians yeah. team and had them run into uh, the after effects of um, uh, one of, you know, the the other Guardians and one of Tony Stark's botched experiments where he ended up getting like this really weird Stark bot that is kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that was that was a little fun, but yeah, for, for me, I only got into Eternals because it reminded me of X-Men, but Greek mythology, and so for me, that was a selling point. Right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we, well, we got a little bit here left open, so I'll kind of pass it open. So when, when you guys are thinking about, you know, uh, either... Uh, movies that do a good job of, of building suspense or using these microcosm cliffhangers or, or comics or, or books or uh, things that had the, like those like really stand out uh, pieces of marketing that, that got you asking a lot of questions before you went in to see it. Uh, what are some things that come to mind? In regards hmm. to movies in general? Uh, movies, media in general, you know, uh, if like some games also do very good jobs of, of building suspense or, you know, books, comics, anything, anything that when you think of like this kept me asking questions or this kept me like on the edge of my seat, uh, through use of these small microcosms, you know, what are some, just some things that come to mind? Hmm. I know, right. I'm going to be on the spot. Let's see. Well, give us an example, Tim, because I don't really. Yeah. Uh... Sure. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, uh, you know, going back and like for me, when I think about, you know, something like that, uh, it, it's, it's something. <laughs> it, I'm going to be kind of a history here, but uh, something like A Scanner Darkly, where, uh, uh, which. It's a book by Philip K. Dick, but also it's a, a movie with uh, Robert uh, Downey Jr., um, uh, Keanu Reeves. Reeves, and Woody Harrelson, uh, where you know they do a lot of uh, it, it is told through a lot of misdirection, but it's a lot of answering each question with another question, or each scene ends up resulting in uh, you know a not good situation becoming even worse. Uh, just kind of building these small little things of, of adding suspense, these small little cliffhangers cutting at the end of each scene before they finally get to a resolution. Uh, you know, you go from 
uh, Keanu lying to get in with this, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, drug enthusiast crowd, uh, ends up developing these friendships with them, uh, cutting to, you know, people start hallucinating, things get bad, and people start, like, distrusting each other, become, they become distrusted of Keanu, of Robert, uh, his love interest ends up getting, uh, may end up stabbing them back. <laughs> these small things that keep on building each other at the end of each scene, or uh, these small little cliffhangers, <laughs> or small little elements of tension that keep on building, uh, that that really keep you wanting to know what happens next. I so there's a movie I had to look up the name right that uh when you when you say that it makes me think of this movie because to me there's a lot of there's a lot going on in it but there's a lot of like parts where like it i feel it cliffhangs into the next yeah section right into the next thing um i'm not sure if you've ever seen it but it's called uh southland tales it's got justin timberlake the rock and like a bunch of other people in it right and okay. it's a really it's a weird ride kind of movie sure. but um but like the story that the first part of the story like cliffhangs into a story with the rock into cliffhangs into another story with uh uh was it Sean William Scott? And okay. uh you know what I mean? It's just it's hard to explain. Like even now, like I I, I love the movie. Still don't understand what it's about. Perfect. But I love the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like I cannot I don't have to know what it's about because every every time I watch it, it's like Oh, and now, oh, and now, you know what I mean? Exactly, yeah. Like, to me, that's, you know, when, when you're talking about, like, like the cliffhanger aspects, too, when that, that's, that movie is what, what comes to mind. You know what I mean? Because to me, that, that is something that feeds into, feeds itself to keep moving for me, anyway. Yeah, exactly. That, that's perfect. But if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's weird. It's old. It's weird and old. Yeah, well, Justin Timberlake lip syncs a, a killer song in it. Per- perfect, yes. Are you talking about trolls? <laughs> no. Is he in that one? Yes. I've got little kids, of course, I've seen it. Yeah, I'm, I'm made to watch every little kid show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my dad, and he was good on so many things. But when it came to watching cartoons, he'd had if it wasn't like Bugs Bunny and Tweety, uh, you know, he he had no interest in cartoons. And I loved cartoons, you know, of course, mm-hmm. during my day, G.I. Joe, yeah. uh, He-Man, Transformers, which I never watched He-Man very much. Uh, couldn't get it. But uh he so, was on the Chicago channels. Yeah, I uh, I always try to watch and try to find some way to enjoy whatever my kids are watching. You know, just to because I remember you know trying to get my dad to watch you know uh, movies with me, and it was tough. You know, sometimes he would. Every now and then, it was the best. You know, but he just didn't have. He was a more realist. You know. Uh, kind of guy y'all know those kind of people oh yeah uh and that that was him you know um 
My. But anyway, so I, I'm I'm up with all the whatever they're watching. If it's you know, yep. um, octonauts, uh, dino trucks, you know, uh, any of that stuff, I'm I'm there. Yeah, trolls. First off, everyone should watch dino trucks. Yes. Yeah. I'm just saying, dino trucks yeah. are cool. That's actually a really good, uh, really good story uh, based show. That's a really good show. I mean, you wouldn't actually think, you know, ah, dinosaurs, you know, being like tanks and trucks, you know, but it, it, right. it really is good. They're like uh, construction vehicles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I think the Bronto guy was like uh, the, the, um, was it the hook thing that comes and grabs stuff. Like, they're, they're even like, even the smaller dinos were like different vehicles as well. It was pretty neat. All right. Well, uh, Quentin, anything up to mind? You know, uh, y'all are probably going to think I'm nuts for saying this, but I started years ago watching Pulp Fiction. Okay. But I never finished it because I didn't understand. this. That was the time when all these things started, just first started happening with movies yeah. being shot out of order and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. Matter of fact, I think he's Quentin Tarantino is the one who kind of popularized that whole thing yeah. with Pulp Fiction. But I've always wanted to go back and watch it, and it's one of those things I just haven't went back and watched. And but that's, yeah. the parts that I saw being shot out of uh, out of you know out of sequence, or I guess they were, has always intrigued me uh, to go back, and I will watch that movie one day. Yeah, um, and that that and Kill Bill were definitely some of Quentin Tarantino's. Like, uh, he um, he he definitely brought that style of, of storytelling over to the West. It was like originally used in, in French filmmaking, and, and Quentin Tarantino said he he likes French filmmaking, and so he wanted to right. make that but more action packed. Uh, and so he that's what he did with uh with um, Pulp Fiction, and it's definitely it's very effective, and it is um. It is definitely one of those things where when you sit down to watch it, you immediately like after each like cut, you're you're like, okay, can can we resolve what's happening here? I need to know what's going on. Mm. Kind of like his uh, historical was it historical revisions or yeah historical re- historical reimagines mm-hmm. like uh was it Django and Chain? Django and Chain is very good. Yeah, uh, yeah, Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. Like Those, that one, yes. like obviously that's not how history went, but you know it's it's a reimagining of what if. Exactly. Which yeah. incidentally were were my favorite Marvel books for like the longest time. Exactly. All right. Well, uh, it is uh, closing in on ten. Um, uh, we have an extended outro now, which I cut off too early last time, so I'm gonna give us some time to to get through it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I figured. Uh, Got some, got some homework for you, uh, dear listener. Uh, next time you're watching something or reading something, uh, just pay attention to to the the ends of each cut or the end of each panel, where it, it's the look for the moments where it it's very clearly trying to build suspense and get you to turn the page and look for those little those little microcosm cliffhangers. Uh, you end up getting a lot of fun just trying to see how they're doing it each time. Yeah, and just real quick, you know, there's the end. We talked about the cover, mm-hmm. the starting cliffhanger, then the interior cliffhangers. Yeah. 
And then you've got the end cliffhanger that's got to point you to, and it's got to be good enough to get you to get the next issue, to get you to the next week's show, to get you to the next sequel. It's got to be good. It, it's it's gotta you gotta be able to bookend your story, mm-hmm. but at the same time you have to throw something down to where somebody says I've got to get the next one exactly, you know? and not yeah. not make them mad by doing it too much of a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you get to the end of the, the of like a volume or collection, it should be something where it's a resolution, but <laughs> there yep. needs to be that but there where it's. Yeah. Like okay, it's uh, like R. A. Salvatore did that a lot. Yeah. Um, for a lot of his like uh uh Drizzdor and like the Dark Elf books and stuff like that, he did a lot of those. Yes, uh, like uh, leading yep. it where uh you know, uh, just as is back in Menzel Branzian, it may not be the worst, but Jarl Axel is there to make things worse. <laughs> That's uh, right. Yeah. Uh, doing those little things. Um, you know. Very classic. You look at your your very long form comics that have been going on for forever. Uh, Superman defeats Lux Uther, but Brainiac is back in town. Oh, yep. Uh, small little things like that. There. Uh, uh, Bill, tension lean forward, but uh, don't piss off your reader. Like, well, why is I reading the last six issues if it doesn't matter? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to and don't make it too obvious. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you don't want your readers to say, oh, I called that from page two. Mm-hmm. You know? Just or... a little bit of show and tell. Um, just uh, some stuff I've been working on yeah. for those who haven't seen. If, you, if you're if you a member of the Patreon, once again, you would have seen this on the <laughs> Silver Line uh, channel. Uh you know, on the private chat message. We don't yes. have a Patreon, by the way. This joke is kind of old, but... Just join our Discord. <laughs> yeah, join our Discord. Uh, games and stuff. But this is uh, a commission that I did, a D&D character. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, this is that D&D character colored. Let me Ooh. see. Let me see if I can pull this in. Ooh, I love that palette. Yep. And uh, yeah, this is it colored, and uh, you'll notice we've got uh, the scars here and the scars oh, yeah. here. So, uh, th- this is this particular character is a uh, she can't she has the ability to turn into a yeti. Um, Ooh, okay, yeah. So, if you were wondering That's about rad. that, let's see, I've got another one here too. This is for Shadow Ghost, and coast coast. it came up in the wrong window. Just a moment. You just reminded me I have to do uh, a Fire Genasi one. Oh, I remember uh, that. Yeah, I saw that. That was great. Yeah, that's so good. This one was a challenge because, number one, he's Asian. I, I just haven't had a lot of... Uh, experience drawing different nationalities although i do from time to time but it's it's just out of the norm also the hands of mm-hmm. uh, mr curtis is a kung fu master and this book that he is doing is a uh, kung fu book 
by Kung Fu Master, and you have to get the stance correct. Yes. He gave me uh, yeah, all kinds of stuff to go by. Uh, how he wanted the hands, he even sent me photos, I think, of his hands. Uh, uh, so there was that. Uh, it was it was pretty challenging, but very rewarding piece, you know. I love to, to win, you know, after I try to figure something out. And then we have uh, one we did for another Silver Line artist uh, who is named Wubba. You may know him from Cat and Mouse. And again, it's popped up in the wrong window. Let me bring it over. Oh, yeah. That's so good. Oh, I didn't see that. That's cool. That looks like a Tool album cover. <laughs> so you'll notice here he's got, the, he's got the nib. Yeah, yeah. And then over here he's got the oh, pencil. Cool. And then Lotus's. Uh, yeah. And then uh, without the logo, and this is just like a full-page pinup uh, right. without the logo. So, what's, that, what's that referred to as when it doesn't have the logo on it? It's called something. Give me a second. All I know uh, is... Virgin. Pin. I think it's called Virgin. Okay. Yeah, if it, doesn't, if it doesn't have like the title on there, it's, mm-hmm. it's called Virgin. Like The only reason I know that is because it says that on some of the stuff. Uh, through, like, say, Midtown Comics or whatnot. That's how they refer to it as. So after I finished Trumps, I tried to push through all these uh, commissions and, you know, uh, you know, random stuff before I get into this uh, one, because I usually do not take... I may take a commission, but I do not... Uh, I don't normally, you know, make them priority. You know. put, putting the working in working artists. Yes. Right. Yep. Uh, and I try to be realistic with people. You know, I tell them, you know, I, I'll take down all your information. And uh, by the way, these people, I, as I was doing it, I was making them aware of what I was doing. I didn't just like finish it and say, here you go. Do you like it? Uh, I, you know, when I did the, the rough, I showed it to them. When I did the pencils, I showed it to them. When I did the ink, showed it to them, and then the color, and so on. Uh, that way, because yeah, you know, you know, I want to give somebody something that they want. I don't want to give somebody something that you know that they don't want. So this is uh, yeah, the only time I don't get, I don't show them is like I'll get the rough approved, and then I'll get like the next like rough colors that I put on yeah. approved. And then after that, it's usually like, do you want to see it when I'm done or do you want to be surprised? I always ask. Yeah. Most of the time people say they want to be surprised. So like, okay, I'm going to take it from here. I'm going to do the rest of it. And then I'll let you know when I'm mailing it out to you because you don't want to see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the only time I don't, I don't talk to them about it. I'm all for surprises. But at the same time, I've had friends like, for instance, that particular, uh, D&D character, I do many characters for this person, and there's been a few times that they purchased artwork from other people, and they give them the idea of what they wanted, and then they wouldn't get it back until it was done, and then there was no changing anything, and I, you know, I don't mind doing changes, especially in the early stages. Uh, right. And well, I, that's asked, what I'm saying. I don't you know, know what, what kind of colors you want me to go with on here. 
yeah. you know, uh, what kind of color palette do you want? And sometimes they're specific and sometimes not. So uh, I think it's just good right. policy to give people, if you're doing it for them, you should give them what they want. And the only way to do that right. is, to, I agree you know, with that. Uh, but if they want to be surprised too, hey, that's good. You yeah. know, that's awesome. Well, like I said, I show them on the roughs, then I show them the color roughs. And then as long as they're okay with that, then everything from that point is, is, you know what I mean? I get it done and then send it to them. Yep. All right. We are hitting that two hour mark. So we're going to run our banner at the bottom there. We have been a show on Tuesday. You can follow us on Instagram, uh, at the tags down below and you can slide in our DMS to contact, contact us about some potential, uh, uh, some potential, uh, I guess, contract working there if, where you're still taking commissions. Uh, but with uh, books uh, on the horizon, uh, those windows do come and go. Uh, I'm also on Twitter. Sure. You can message me about Destiny 2 memes and, and Halo stuff, mostly. That's what I do there. Uh, um, and uh, we'll be back next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Pacific time with another show uh, talking about comics as an intersection of different cultures. We're going to be talking about how comics have popped up in movies, games, and even uh, music and hip hop. Man, we're featuring a special guest in Curtis Fujita. Uh, so, yeah. Whoa. Yes. Uh, if you don't know, Curtis Fujita is a fellow uh, West Coast with me and also a hip hop head. So, uh, expect plenty of references to. MF Doom, the RZA, uh, MC Front a lot, uh, Adam Morrock, all that good stuff. Uh, we are going to be back on this channel. We won't be here. We have another crew here on Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time uh, for Wednesday at Wham, and then 8 p.m. Standard, uh, not Standard, 8 p.m. Eastern again on uh, Sunday for Silver Sunday. Uh, we don't have any shows in Standard time. Uh, what are you doing? Move out to the coast. Um, so we are going to run our bumper here. It is new and improved and extended, and I cut it off too early last week. So we we uh, got we got some make goods to do on our sponsors there. Uh, so in, enjoy this bumper here, and we'll see you next week. Until that time, make mine, make mine silver line. Make mine silver line. Don't forget, hey, I'm Alex Savio, and I just want to let you know, make mine silver line. Thank you for listening to the Silver Line podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We know we ramble sometimes, but we have fun. And after all, isn't that what comics are all about? We hope you'll follow us on all our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, LinkedIn, Reddit, MeWe, Gab, and whatever new thing pops up between now and the time you listen to us. Please like, follow, share, and remember, make mine Silverline.